You're listening to Fresh Out of Game. Can I be so fresh? Fresh, fresh Podcast Network. Straight from Tel Aviv, Israel. Let's go. Hi, my name is Hilal Leizorovich. And I'm Rana Vaughn. We are two entrepreneurs from Israel, and we are on a journey to find out what makes entrepreneurs, investors, and CEOs succeed or fail. And we hope to inspire your journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TLB DNA Show. And with us today... is Didi Horn, the CEO and founder of Skyaxe, right? Yeah, you got it right? Yeah, 100% correct. And Ilale Zerovich, as always. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You've got an amazing office over here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. We love compliments. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, let's start. You give us in a nutshell, you know, your story about Skyaxe, what you do, who you are. Go. All right. So as, uh, as you know, I'm originally from Israel, grew up in, uh, in Tel Aviv most of my life. Um, I spent almost a decade in the Israeli Air Force, starting in the Flight Academy, then moving to the Drone Squadrons, which uh, maybe uh, was a hit on my ego, but maybe the best decision ever. <laughs> uh, I was in two squadrons, where the second one of them, I was part of a uh, few officers that kind of chosen to found a new squadron, which a new, with a new vehicle. It was kind of a build to build a startup within the military, so we don't have any budget concerns, which was amazing. And uh, my last position with the Air Force was in the headquarters, being responsible or part of a group that's responsible to all the unmanned systems and working with the defense industry and all those organizations. It was an amazing experience um, to be part of in such a young age, in a way. Since 2015, I'm uh, the founder and CEO of Skyx. Um, Skyx is a company based in Canada, in Toronto, and uh, we build it in a mindset of having data as the center of what we're selling and all the logistic tail that obviously dependent on autonomous aerial solution is only the way to bring those, this data from, uh, from abroad. Nowadays, Skyx is almost uh, five years old. Uh, we're having around uh, 30 employees worldwide between Canada, U.S., Europe, and some in Israel. And uh, we just landed maybe the most significant cu- customer just in November uh, last year. That uh, to do that during the pandemic was uh, quite achievement. That's the way we see it. So let's try to simplify a bit. <laughs> Tell us, you know, one, one paragraph, one sentence or... What is Skyx? So Skyx aimed to be the most advanced aerial intelligence solution out there. When you look on assets such as an oil and gas pipeline, transmission line, railways, it could be also wildfires running in some forest somewhere, you don't have currently the ability to really monitor what's going on out there for a significant period of time. You can fly a Cessna, regular airplane, and capture one image. You can fly drones, small squadron, small uh, quadcopters, 15, 20, 30 minutes, and you capture some images. But in the end of the day, the customers still 
almost nowadays, um, end up with an image that they need to download, to reach out the battery of the drone, to update to their systems, and only then get the actionable piece of information that they require. We created a full solution that comes with a unique drone capable of flying for almost two, hour, two hours and 200 kilometers, fully electric. For the American audience, it's more like 120 miles. Um, a station that can take this drone, recharge it, check its critical systems, download the mission, and speak with the next station to understand that the weather parameters are okay to go fly. And then this drone can, can basically leap, jump between those stations and capture you know, hundreds or thousands of miles in, or kilometers in one mission. This information gets infused to an operating system that sits behind in Toronto, for example, which means that from Toronto we executed operations that took place in Mexico, in Africa, Brazil, and other sides of uh, Canada when the guy sits in Toronto and the drone flies in those countries, can have multiple missions all at once, and in the end of the day, bring the data to the customer. When I approach customers, usually I t uh, tell them, look, the drone is awesome, it's a cool thing, you know, everybody you know, bought one, one or two in Toys R Us before Christmas <laughs> or before the holidays, but in the end of the day, you don't care about which platform carry the mission or which platform bring you the image or the data from out there doesn't matter if I run with my iPhone or you have Spaceship doing it. You care about the data. Exactly. So I sell them the data. I say, look, you get a screen. And in this screen, I show you what I captured yesterday and days before. And over time, I create patterns that then, with some AI and machine learning process, we create a predictive analytics. Meaning, not only that you know what's out, what was, was out there you know, previously, you can um, take actions accordingly in the future. Uh, I'll give you one example. Um, we've been in Mexico, in an area that uh, the Canadian embassy told us, this is a red zone, you do not stop whatsoever. Even if police car chasing you <laughs> nighttime, you do not stop until you get to the hotel, things like that, uh, which was quite an uh, uh, um, experience to run with uh, Canadian guys that did not serve in the military who had this kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, um, thoughts of what it's what, what what does that mean and we landed up in uh in thursday and we got to the integrity manager of the whole section of this pipeline and he told us look guys my executives told me you guys coming in but i don't really require you guys i know exactly what's going on in my pipeline so i told him look we are already here let's let's bring you some images so you can just hang in your office or whatever um that was 100 kilometer of pipeline 60 mile um as mentioned, we landed on Thursday, we prepared ourselves on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and on Monday we executed the first mission, and Tuesday we executed the full mission. 120 kilometers on one flight, carried in uh, one hour. And a couple of hours later, I was sitting in his office, and I was running through, um, we sort them out, but we ran through 130 anomalies. And I'll explain what is anomalies. We saw hole in the ground just beside his pipeline, which can you know, imply to the fact that someone is trying to dig and steal oil. This is a $2.5 billion issue for Mexico. Um, and he didn't know, didn't know about that. We show him houses that are being built beside his pipelines, unauthorized. We show them people literally on a horseback taking oil from 
areas. So in the end of the day, he told me, I have work to do. During the meeting, he's, you know, he's calling people, you know, come in, go check that, go check that. And, uh, and he said, like, okay, I need you guys tomorrow morning. So that's one, one simple example of how valuable the data that currently is not available in such industries. What I like about your story is the fact that you started in the military, but then you know how to transform the value to commercial and other services. Tell us about the difference in the perception to create something for, let's say, civil and not military. So one example is if we'll take the border control, for example. Um, very initially, I was approached by, by some organization or governments that asked us to do border control. And I explained them, look, if you're interested on, let's say, some guy jumping over the border and run towards the next village and, I don't know, some terror, terror act or, or whatever it is, that's not what we do. Because in the end of the day, I don't sit behind the screen and can follow him and change the, the vehicle or the airplane um, route. That's what I did in my air first time. Uh, because for that, you need heavy logistic tail, you need people, you need pilots, you need to train them, you need to maintain emission, you need some, we call it back end, you know, intelligence officers. I want to spare it. I want to take this burden off the chest of commercial market that did, that did not require that. So what we can do, for example, and we got approached by um, some government in Africa that right now has 11,000 kilometers of borderline. And in Africa, there is no fences because of the animals, so they can, you know, run free. And they said people fleeing the border with COVID into the country and because they want to get, you know, treatment in this country and we don't know what's going on. So look, 11,000 kilometers, it's, it's a long distance. Um, what we can do is fly all over it, over and over again, and let you guys know, you know what, instead of this whole 11,000 kilometers, in this area and this area and that area, between 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, most of the people crossing the border. If you put your people there on those times, you're probably eliminating 90% of the issue. So then you take data and use it in the smart way. Now, all of us wearing those wearable devices or carry our iPhone and, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook already doing it. They're using this smart data on the intelligence or aerial data, bird's eye view, it doesn't exist. And we created both the platform and the ability to track, understand what we're seeing, process it for the customer and bring it to him as an actionable item so he can execute or act accordingly. So you actually help them to take actions with data and predictions that you provide with your platform. Okay, so after almost uh, 10 years in, uh, in the service, uh, I was in a, in a position to decide if I want to, you know, continue and wait for my pension at some point or to do something something different. And I, I understood it at that point that the drone's capabilities are far more significant than we're currently using them in, you know, day-to-day -day life. So I've been approached by my general uh, when I told him that I want to leave. And he told me, okay, why won't you take six months, you know, uh, leave and, and, and come back, go to India, Thailand, South America, do whatever you want, like everybody else doing. 
and and come back. I said, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll take that, and you know, see you in a bit. Um, but instead of of having those trips um, to those locations, I book a trip to the U.S. to one of the oil and gas biggest conferences that I figured at that time. I didn't know exactly what I'm looking to do there or what I was hoping to get there, but I knew that I need to get there and ask questions. What attracted your attention to do it? So I w- w- knew that I need some significant mileage, then we will bring some value. So if I'll be able to, let's bring a drone that's capable of flying that distance and capture bird's eye view, to which significant industry it will help. And before I, I, I booked this flight, I spent some time till 4 a.m. in the morning um, running su- through some industry that I thought will be relevant to or require bird's eye view images on, on consistent ones. Um, I read um, financial uh, reports of the, oil, uh, of the oil industry, which <laughs> I'm telling you not to do that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm not accountant, so I like, didn't know how to approach those. But I found some interesting materials during this search that helped me understood that there are markets that could be relevant for this, but I didn't know it for sure. One of the significant aspects in, in startups or lives is obviously to understand that the customer do require what you envision he will require. But there is always in every new invention, there is this, this area where you think something will you know, apply to the modern lives, but you're not sure. And you need some customer to tell you, you know what, I think I will, I will buy it if you will make it. So I, I went to this, uh, to this conference and what I figured during the time is that those conferences, usually they have those booths of, you know, each company and because they're so attractive and I knew from the military that everyone want to go to conferences and summits because, you know, it's a nice time and you hang around and all that. If I'll be patient and ambush on the relevant booth, I might see, you know, vice president, CEO, chief operation, that will come there to visit these guys. And because it's a conference, you're more prone to speak, you know, to kind of sell your product than mm-hmm. it was if I will come and walk into your office, right? So I was patient um, and I waited on a couple of booths and, uh, and one of them was Shell, the giant oil company. I don't know, one or sec- first or second in the world. One of the big three. Yeah. Yes. And, and I was waited a long time and I kind of, one one moment I saw a delegation, you know, you know, five people with many people out there, and I understood, okay, that's that executive executives. And after a while, I like, approached him and said, "Hey, I'm this, this, and that, coming from him, I don't know <laughs> his country, and I have solution for you guys for this, this, and that. Would you, you know, would you be interested in in that?" And he didn't blink and said, "I don't know your company, but if what you claim is what you have." then we will buy tomorrow morning. And I'm like, oh, okay, wait a second. <laughs> and I was the next day coming to another booth and, and approaching different guy and hear the same answer and the same answer. While you don't have a solution, have you only have a vision. Now then I turn more creative and become not just someone who sell them a product, but in a way some other oil company, hey, I'm like second tier, third tier company um, do you have application or do you have solution for this, this and that? Because I have a problem. And no, we don't have any solution for that. 
And then it struck me that, you know, that's the best, you know, customer service you can do. Instead of having those, you know, guys that you hire and then they go out and they have phone calls and nobody answered them, you can just need to approach them, take the first step forward. It's an amazing story because you also validated your ideal and check your competitors in the same spot. Exactly. In the same place. And I have to say that, you know, you, you just told your story and I, I felt excitement about it, really. Going there, you know, exploring it and investigating that way is, is really smart for an entrepreneur. Yes, I, I didn't know at that time what I'm going to do with that because one more answer they provided me is um, VP of Shell told me, look, for you to become a vendor to Shell, we will run you through a due diligence process for 12 months and we will go take you through hell, <laughs> literally hell. <laughs> But if you'll sign with us, then you are a vendor for Shell for the next 10 years. Nobody will ask questions. And then I figured, you know what, maybe I don't need to convince 1 million or 2 billion users to use my app every day. All I need is one, two, three customers, global like those, and that's it. Then I, I make my you know, product available to everyone in globe. Um, But how did you take the journey from an ideal that you validated to an actual value proposition? So the journey started with obviously long nights, um, but mainly to ask tough questions and, and decide whether or not it's worth to move forward. Now, this is a podcast about startups and all that. And, and I do remember um, something I heard that time that state that we all have excuses for everything in our life, right? You can come up and say, I don't have enough time. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have support. I don't have equipment. I don't have the gear. I don't have the know-how. And, and in this, I uh, don't remember the name of this guy, he said, that's all lies. <laughs> that's all simple lies that you tell yourself. If you do not start today and, and create disciplines, you will find the time. You will find the knowledge. You will find the know-how. And I don't remember exactly what pushed me to that place, but I said, okay, I have an idea here. I have an idea that I think nobody's think about. Even if someone thinks about it, let's call it the major industry for drones, they more um, aim to the defense industry. The commercial arm market is fully open. And even if tomorrow they will decide to go to the commercial market, it's so wide. It's called the oil pipeline, the railways. It's like trillions of dollars all around the world. If I have one piece of it, it's more than enough. So I aim, you know, the target. I said, okay, I need a vehicle to fly this distance. So what is that distance? I made a research. The research states that every pipeline worldwide has a valve station or pumping station, pumping station every 50 to 70 kilometers. So, okay, I need to fly more than that a bit, let's say 80 kilometers, and I want to have a station, let's call it a station, that will be the hub that the drone will land on it and will leapfrog to the next one. And by that, I can just down jump between those pumping stations. And because of that, I don't need to build something for it because there is already those valve station or pumping stations. I can put it there and someone will keep it, keep an eye on it because they keep an eye on their rest of the equipment. 
And if I have those, then I can carry a mission for a long distance. Okay, so what do I do required next? I want one center location, which all this data will get infused to, and one uh, um, location that will take this data, process it, and send it back to the customer. But all of those, in a way, I thought, um, existing. So I it just, you know, integrating systems. That was a... Uh, it's a good thing that I thought like that when I started it. Because it's lean flow. <laughs> <laughs> because um, when we got to a point where we're selling the AI information from the drone, and I told the guys before we had the data, you know, go buy these aerial images from somewhere else, we didn't find anywhere. And it, it's anywhere. Like we did not find any consistent imagery taking over and over the same pattern day after day. Um, and then we figured it's not only that we come up with this huge and amazing technology to bring this data to our systems, nobody currently looking at what we are looking at. So it's a new layer of data that we can sell out there. So your first value was very narrow. Take the images. I don't know how to learn yet and, uh, and forecast what's going to be, but the fact that you have the images will give you the, the information you need to, to make decisions, the first decision. Yes, and, and you always ask yourself, like, what's out there right now? And, and I had friends, pilots, and one of them was helicopter pilot for the electric company, and he told me, you know, how the day goes, right? He needs to track all the transmission lines. And he told me, we wake up at 6 a.m., we come up to the, set, the helicopter at 7 a.m., we fly for an hour, then we land stopping for coffee, then we do another hour, then we have some problem, then we do another hour, and we finish the day in 11. I said, how much like you cover? <laughs> it was like two hours or so. Oh, it depends. You know? And I said, what, what the heck? Like, why not to have some robot that will be consistent? Every morning we'll fly four hours. So by the time the whoever comes to the office, you open the screen and you know exactly what issues he has on his line so he can you know tell his team go fix that fix that and that's what we wanted to create i, I want to think myself maybe uh to understand the first thing you wanted to tackle was to create a length of flight time and distance this is what you aim to tackle first right before yes. before data correct right and then the second layer was creating a data and finding those anomalies within the data and provided to the companies. Yes. Now there's a question that, that uh, bugs me from the first, from the beginning of the conversation. Why are you based in Toronto? <laughs> An ex military Israeli Tel Avivish guy, you know, basing his company in Toronto. So that's a, a crazy story. Um, I was running this um, idea mainly in my head for like six months. Um, in Israel, but in other countries as well, kind of looking for investors, running my own, you know, money. And uh, at that time, um, you know, I had the money from the military and I knew that I have kind of a year to spend it. And after a year, I probably will end up in the regular defense industries like everyone else. So, okay, I'm going to take this 12 months. And as again, like eight months into the year looking for investors and some guy that you, you know, find uh, in a way told me, yes, I'm bringing some group of investors to see um, Israeli tech companies. Um, I want you to meet with them. I said, okay, awesome. What, what are they interested with? 
oh, they more into like round B kind of thing. Those stages, so look, I'm like seed, presid level, like, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I think it'll be relevant for you to be there. And I'm like, so I'm going to be the entertainment for lunch for them. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah, basically, yeah. yes. <laughs> at that time, what do you have? Like idea, vision, presentation. What did you have at that stage? So I have a Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> no, sorry, Polo. <laughs> Two, two doors, small ones, and small drone. <laughs> and I was remember, like, put the drone on, you know, <laughs> in the row seat, and it's like, take the whole, the whole space. And I'm driving with that to every investor. I don't know, but I think I saw that day, uh, or before it, that uh, I think before Tesla, he was walking around with this idea, like, literally in, like, um, some hardware model, and presenting it in, in the same way. So I said, okay, maybe it's easier for people to see that instead of having presentations. So I was driving to this lunch with this drone in my, my uh, um, backseat, um, arriving to the, the lunch delegation of, I wanna say eight to 10 people. They're all having good time eating and I'm like speaking for like <laughs> half an hour. They, you know, providing food. I did not eat anything. Asking questions, shooting questions at me. Those guys were very knowledgeable engineers and they asked me tough questions that I, some I knew to answer, some I didn't know how to answer. And I told them that I don't know, that I do know. I didn't try to, I want to say, lie or exaggerate. I told them that's very, you know, initial stage of the startup. But that thing, you know, that I put on, on the table, that thing work and it flies, like it take off vertically, transition horizontal flight come and land on you know precision landing um it's all that kind of proof of concept but very initial proof of concept and if this thing will work we can do my vision two days after it was israeli independence day i was barbecuing with my friends and i'm getting called from this guy i said okay um be in an hour in the airport I said like i'm barbecuing I said hey, yes and they want to see you <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever you know going taking a shower uh, driving uh, uh, um, to the airport, sitting in, uh, in the coffee shop just outside the border control. Again, this delegation gathers some tables, asking a few more questions. Then the chairman of this group tell me, look, we are highly interested in what you have. Um, we have one problem. Your market is not in Israel. And your roadmap at that time was, let's build it, you know, have the R&D here and then move it on to 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 the go to market approach to the relevant country because you need pipeline you know in Israel we have 200 kilometers you need thousands of kilometers um, and also regulation about drones was very strict especially on the civil ones so kind of pushed me away said I'm giving you five countries you choose which you're gonna go with you tell me the number that you require that I will invest in you so you'll be able to do that said yes but if I'm going out, I need, you know, to be supported, you know, till product stage maybe, which could be, you know, seed and A. And he kind of looked behind and said, okay, so what's the number? <laughs> I have no clue. I did not prepare that, you know. Um, having some phone calls, come up with a number. I said, okay, yes, we're good to go. You know, we're going to take the airplane. We want to meet you with the lawyers after and then we'll deal, deal with this. Let's focus on the fact that he asked you to choose the country. Okay, because... <laughs> It's not something that you just guess. You need to research, understand the, uh, the logistic, understand uh, what kind of value you can give to each uh, company over there. 
So how did you, how did you do that? And, and uh, as I understand very fast because it needed an answer. So. So Eli, you could have sit there exactly like me because I asked the same question like you do, <laughs> one to one. I told him the same. I said, look, the number, I can come up with something. The country, I, I, know, I need to do some homework. So again, he looks at me and says, okay, um, two weeks? <laughs> Whatever, two weeks. Um, and he gave me um, Canada, South Africa, Australia, Hong Kong, uh, and Austrich, Austria. I had no clue, like you said. Like mm -hmm. I never. I think till that day, I was maybe twice out of Israel. I like I had no clue where to go, where to start, who to ask. And I said, okay, what most important for the company? And I said, okay, we need um, strategic assets that runs, you know, all around the country, significant mileage, and maybe low population. And that comes up to you know Australia, South Africa, and Canada all shares the same long pipelines, low population relatively, um, and areas which, you know, nobody leaves there, which is good for drones because you can fly and there is no risk involved. Then I ask, okay, I, I do want to have regulation or regulator, uh, regulation that prone to, you know, approve drones over time. Now, we're talking six years ago, that was like almost like science fiction drones. Like they just talked about it. Nobody said how it's going to fly. Even nowadays, it's still a process. And then we ask, okay, we do want a Western country that will be relevant, close to the biggest market that we are chasing at, and the biggest market for oil and gas back then was, or still is the US. So, okay, I think Canada, I'm gonna take a trip to there and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Had one guy that, you know, got through some friend of a friend of a friend, landed in Toronto, first time ever, um, sitting with the first lawyer and I remember asking someone how do I even choose lawyer account I don't know how to do it in Israel he told me to do it in Canada <laughs> he said you will know and I remember coming in even to the bank all right kind of the main office I said hey I'm coming from Israel I have that kind of money coming in in two months I need to open a business account credit to open an office and all that and they looked at me, and that's not Israeli approach. And like, you are a complete stranger. You have some weird story. They're not like very tech influence over there. And so he sa she said like, y we can help you with that. It will take probably around three months, sir. And I'm like, look, I need to open this account by the end of the week. <laughs> and I, I, I saw another, another sign of another bank just across the street. So just, you know, it's you guys or them. <clears throat> and said, okay, one woman, sir. And she brought the manager in. Now, you ask, the question, and I, and I answered it a couple of sentences ago, it comes back to, um, in a way, the disciplines or disciplines equal freedom. Like if you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to find a way as I go and not being afraid of the process. I think that's what lead you to the, to the result. I don't say that I took the right decisions or the most right decisions every step of the way. But that chose to push forward. So it was starting with the bank and then one lawyer and then one account and then found the, f the, f the new guy that will bring me more uh, hirings. But what you've done in your story is that before you decided to go to Canada, you actually set yourself with uh, basic metrics to, uh, to sort and, and equal the, between the, the countries. Okay. Yes. Compare. Yeah. Compare, Compare yeah. between yeah, the countries. Thank country. you for yeah. that. <laughs> Compare between the countries, and 
I think this is a process that every entrepreneur that uh, need to get a decision which market to approach. So he need to have a basic metrics and, uh, and uh, at least a basic plan uh, what what he need to check, what the KPIs is going to to have in his uh, in his journey for that. Correct, and and to add one more thing that was crucial to me every step of the way in the build up of SkyX, you need to know what your goal or what you come to solve, right? Um, again, in the Air Force, you you don't start any mission without understanding what are you about to solve with this mission, and that was my approach, and I said okay. What, in the end of the day, kind of, you know, imagine to yourself, how do you see it? Where do you want to see this thing goes or how you imagine it in, in, in your imagination and go back from there and say, okay, I need this, 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 and that. Let's build it up. The first two years of SkyX was, was to build up a platform, the vehicle, the airplane, the station, the operating system, much before we even got to a place where it's even close to, to my vision. Like we spent almost two and a half years just to build the ability to be ready to this market. And all this time, uh, as you know, in startup life, you have this pressure from the board. Okay, when do you guys progress? When is the first customer? What's going on? And I said, if we want to build that right, if we want to solve the mission, okay, we need to fly 100 kilometers. We need to have a station to recharge. We need to have operating system to control them remotely. We won't be able to solve the problem. So, so I chose the long run over the short run or the long winds over the short winds. Mm-hmm. And that was the same process when I chose the country. And when I came back to this chairman, I said, look, I chose Canada because one, two, three, four. I think, you know, it, uh, it got sense for, to him. It, it made make sense to him. Maybe it's your last name, Horn, which makes you uh, sort of unicorn lucky because <laughs> it sounds like, uh, you know, a very Cinderella story. But at the end of the day, what's really fascinating about it, even when it's, you know, it has a background of a Cinderella story, you still act like an entrepreneur investigating where to go, where to establish, what bank account to open, where to open it. And, and this is something I think entrepreneurs all over the world needs to learn and, and, and listen to understand that it doesn't matter how you get there. You get there. You have to investigate. You have to explore. You have to make decisions and make them. 100%. But I don't, I don't see that as a Cinderella, Cinderella story, not because, uh, um, you know, not to pat myself in the back, but more exactly because of what I mentioned. I think if you... I, I ran marathon once, right? Some some friend of mine convinced me when I was 25, let's run a marathon and said, whatever, let's do it. I was not prepared to do that <laughs> whatsoever. Um, uh, it, it's a different story, but when you run a marathon, you don't start with, okay, let's buy the most expensive shoes so they will fit the ground that I'm going to run in a marathon day. No, you start by running the first one kilometer and figure out your pace at that point in time. That's it. You just run the first step. Now, the only thing I learned from this marathon is that all the cliches are correct, okay? Um, in the marathon, they're saying that on the, I think around the 32 kilometers, there is what they call the wall, which if you did not prepare enough, you get to a point where the body tells you, like, that's it. Like, I'm done, right? It doesn't matter what you want to do. I'm done. 
And if you did not really, you know, we call it to lay down the, the, the groundwork before it, or ran enough before it, or ate, you know, enough carbs and all that before that, you won't be able to go through it. Um, my story with the, with the marathon was that I ran the first 21 kilometers with my friend, feeling, you know, super high, high adrenaline, faster, much faster than we usually do. Looking all around, said, oh, that's much easier than what we thought. Come on, it's easy, easy stuff. And then I hit the wall. <laughs> Cliche as it is, 32 kilometers, feeling my body shut down. And in my head, luckily, I was still, okay, it's either through ambulance or I'm going to you know, <laughs> run it through slower than I aim to, and I managed to, to, to finish it. Um, but what I learned there is that if I did not go through those um, financial reports of the oil industry, I wouldn't know that they have those pumping stations. I wouldn't know that they need operation every now and then. I wouldn't know that they're looking for those. If I didn't go to the conference because, okay, this knowledge will come to me, I'll look in Google and it will come. I wouldn't know they do require exactly this, this and that. I didn't know that, you know, it takes that period of time to engage with them. So you need to take steps even though you're not certain what the results will be, but you have some sense, some gut feeling telling you, okay, I need to take this step to fill the water. Tell us about the moment that you felt that you hit the wall with Skyx. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge one. Um, so as mentioned, 2016 was the buildup of the, of the technology. And I don't know if that's my, my habit, but, you know, created re- very, you know, definitive goals and objectives, ran through it. We aim to be there on one, you know, year and a half after b- of the establishment. We hit the milestone eight months after, which is again rare on the startup companies. Then the next goal was to take this thing into um, full proof of concept, the whole system, end-to-end, airplane, station, operating system, data, all end-to-end in two years' time. We did it in 2017. In 2018, I told the guys, okay, stop with what you're doing. We need to meet the customer. We're going to do demonstrations free or paid, whatever. Whoever wants to bring us to fly above his pipeline, we're going to go together and I don't care which continent. Um, and we, we knew that we're not 100% ready, but I said, okay, we need to go there to learn how far are we and failure and that perspective is good as a learning process. And we managed to come, I think, four customers that year that uh, we convinced them to to take us as an experiment. And, and my pitch for them was, Take me to the most rugged terrain that you have, most difficult terrain, and, and just, you know, I will be an add-on. Nothing you need to depend on, right? Just let me fly over. One of them was the Mexico story that I shared earlier. And we learned a lot through the process. And in the end of the year, I said, okay, we have a hell of a product. We did have failures. We had crashes. We had some, but we have a hell of a project, of, of product. We have customer, you know, feedback that is positive. All right, that's all. Like, you know, I have checked all the marks. Let's go ahead. And then we started to, what, what they call in it, be commercialized, right? Like sell it properly like needed. Now, at that point in time, I think we were like 20 guys. I was the sales, marketing, and operation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, classic. And, and all the rest were, was kind of engineers that doing their job. I did not realize how far I me in the process of be able to sell the oil company and i remember after i think it was four months into the process when i'm not getting anyone to even show some sort of 
yes, I do want this product. And in the midst, like I see, it was the bubble of drones that, you know, drone delivery, pizza delivery, all those stuff that disappeared, obviously, after. But in, at that time, the board tell me, okay, maybe we need to explore delivery of drones. And I said, no, delivery, it's far more complicated because if, if there, we, there is one failure and you fall on, I don't know, grandma, you know, crossing the street, you're done. I want to stick with that. So I think it was like almost eight months into the process. And we have no, nobody, like no customer calling, nothing. And you don't know what's the issue. Is that pricing? Is that technology? Is that the way we sell? And it was frustration because after super successful three years that you beat, you know, every step of the way, you know, what, what the, the expectations were and the board's super excited about you, you know, it's, it's fading away and you feel it. And you see your engineers all of a sudden starting to question and the executive teams start to question and you need to decide, do I stick with what I have and, and continue with it and co be consistent or I'm changing to different market because I can do, I can change, but I need to decide because I cannot go both ways. I don't have the funds for that. And that was very frustrating point for me um, that I remember it was kind of a two months process that, at, you know, when you run a company, when you see of the company, you need to show the same face every day. You cannot smile one day and be sad the other way because it affects your people. So for them, it looks like I'm positive, 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 while inside or, you know, doing <laughs> long nights, you don't know what to do. And you see the money going away and you understand you're not going to get the next round if you're not going not to hit customers. Um, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Eight months after go to market, like, no sales. You're showing happy face, but you're devastated inside. So what's then? We're going to learn about the pivot <laughs> or what happened over there in that moment. So I knew that I need to understand what is the problem. And I saw myself as the problem. I said, I might be good on establishing a team. I know to lead. I know those things are my assets. Like I know to take, by the way, Canadian guys, not Israelis, create a culture around it, create, you know, some, some spirit to the team and make things happen that I know to do. I know to market maybe for investors uh, well in a way and convince them on, you know, the, the invention and the, the, and the crazy idea that I have in my mind. But maybe I don't know how to s sell to oil and gas companies. And it hit me when I walked down the street of some, I think it was some, uh, some place in, uh, I think it uh, Mississippi or something. And, and, and uh, I'm working with a guy that is owning a company of 20,000 guys owning a two nuclear reactors. <laughs> and like, and he asked me like, how, how it goes with, with your company? Like, what do you guys do? I said, oh, like we just expanded. We added 10 more guys to the company. We're feeling so happy. That was a massive hiring for us. And he's looked at me and said, oh yeah, like I fired yesterday 100. And that's like, I didn't feel it. Like you have 20,000, this whole village basically worked for me. I'm like, how do, you, how do you convince him to buy something from you? And then he tell he told me he was super open and one you know we spent spent time in, in doing you know dinner and had some good time, um, and he told me look, I like you you're a nice guy, but I tell you the truth. 
you in a way an immigrant okay you're not american you look kind of you know too smart maybe democrat something like this <laughs> you you come from this place that you don't know how to hunt you don't know how to golf you don't know how to you know play football we don't have any any you know things to talk about it now that's okay with me but if you go down to houston texas where you know the capital of the oil and gas industry they will not look at you they're talking with princes they they all grew up together right they know the industry they they're selling to each other you need some someone like them that will be you know relevant to sell them because you speak different language and they cannot connect with you relate yes. to it yeah um so we hire we hired a, a sales guy like this and then things flew and then things moved so we've got like an amazing advice and if he didn't he f- you might have missed it like it can pass by but again like i said this advice answered the question i was looking that's for. true that's true but that that takes me to another place eight months where was this question Like, was this a hidden question? Was this like a blind spot for you? You really, you really, you know, built on your skills all that time? Or were you sharing all that time and asking this, those questions? So I think the toughest position, um, and kind of relates to the question before, to move from the military to, uh, um, to the commercial market or startup life, the position as the founder and CEO of a company or the leader of a company is hard position. because you get a lot of no's along the process mm-hmm. from investors, from customers, from engineers, from your team. No, 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 that won't be happy. There is no way it going, could be done, etc. With them in the military, the number one in the organization, number one in the squadron, the one who, I don't know, the number one in the big brigadier is the most talented guy for this role. He knows everything. In 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 the civil market or in the regular company, Number one is not necessarily the most knowledgeable guy in the, in the company. It could be that the CTO is best, you know, yeah. on the technology side and, and marketing best on the marketing side. And you need to find the balance between how do I avoid the nose and continue with my passion, with my vision, because I think I see it through. And what areas you align to yourself and say, I'm just, you know, maybe too cocky to you to, to tell hey you know what I don't know I don't think it's right I need to choose different path so yes in those eight months I was carried away on the clouds of I did it right for the last three years I I'll, I'll be able to solve this one as well and maybe I'll add one more thing when I when I got the investment the first funding you know it's so a happy moment and all that I bought myself a present and the present was you I think it was uh, 16 books from uh, Harvard Business Review, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That I said, nice. I know that I will be the first person in the organization they will replace if I would not know how to adapt to changes over time. Because Skyx in 2016 is nothing like Skyx in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So coming back, I was, you know, lying to myself for a long time saying, yes, I know how it goes. not learning enough up to a point where I figured yes I am the problem and you need to be very humble with you with yourself and telling I am the problem now the next answer could be okay I'll give up you know go bring someone else 
I didn't choose that. And I came to the board and tell them, look, I'm not the right guy to sell to oil companies in Texas. But I think I can manage well this guy because he alone cannot do it. So I'm going to hire the best guy I will find. I want to still lead the company because I think I'll do it better than, you know, if we'll bring tomorrow a CEO coming from Texas, for example. And I think coming to the board and, and, and share both your, um, you know, low point and strong point, be very open with them creates more confidence than if you come to them and lie and say, oh, I, can, I can manage it or I will solve it. Just, you know, let me go or, you know, keep quiet, etc. And I think till this day, I am, I'm happy to say that, that the board is highly, you know, appreciate of what I'm saying or my opinion, not because I know everything, because they know I'm going through the process of understanding how to approach stuff and whether it's me to solve it or someone else that I'm going to be helped with. I have to say that this is a, a, a precious story you're sharing here, and I'm sure it will be very valuable to entrepreneurs all around the world to understand that and to understand where are your walls and to share it uh, appropriately at the right time. Uh, this is very important. And it connects me to a question Ila asked before, and I want to I wanna ask it again in, in a different angle. Coming from the army, which is more secrecy and it's more about, you know, classified um, organization. How was that for you when it comes into, you know, uh, a startup and needing to share all the time to get more input from the other side, the other side and validations from the other side? So to be honest, the first problem I had is I didn't have any social media in the Air Force. Nothing like no Facebook. <laughs> Not LinkedIn, surprising. Twitter, <laughs> nothing. So you, you were under the radar. 100%. I think that days it was not that popular and the army kind of, you know, told you not to open such. So, so I didn't have one. Now, when I got to the world, the world progressed pretty much like a lot during those 10 years. And the first thing, I hired some uh, Canadian uh, um, lady that, you know, to do some marketing stuff. It's okay, you need to post once in a while something so they'll know the company. I said, on which platform? I said, <laughs> what do you mean? Like LinkedIn. I don't have LinkedIn. <laughs> what do you mean don't have LinkedIn? Okay, so Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I, she didn't so Twitter. Know, I don't have yeah, I don't. <laughs> she didn't know how to approach it, all right? Uh, I would like those old guys that, you know, they bring the phone to you. Okay, that's how you post. Don't write, like, don't do that. <laughs> Um, things like that. Um, and she taught me in a way. So for me to start and share achievements, to start share with the world the progress and how to message out properly what you're selling and how you're selling was quite a challenge, to be honest, till, the, till, till this day. Um, I had one conference in, uh, in China and I was uh, flying with, back then, three connections from Toronto to China. I was landing in Hong Kong, took a ferry. I was like 24 hours traveling. Yes, en route. And I was like, you know, Air Force guy, yeah, just bring me black coffee. I'm okay to speak in front of 500 people. That will be... To all our audience, black coffee is, <laughs> 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 is what we drink in Israel, the Turkish yes. coffee. <laughs> it's, uh, Turkish is, uh, yes, is a different approach to Americano maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so I asked the guy that, you know, to, to bring me some black coffee. He brought something over there. And I was going to the stage and it's like 500 
uh, um, Chinese. Um, the audience was highly engineering guys. Um, and I was you know, starting with my pitch and I knew exactly what I'm speaking. I practiced it and all that and I'm working on the stage and bam, hit me, complete blackout. Like I could not speak single word. And I, I forgot the whole speech, everything. And, and I remember someone told me, okay, share a story. Start with a story to warm up the audience. And then I didn't know what to share. What am I going to share with 500 engineers in China about, about, what, about my trip? And, and so that was a challenge that I, I, I managed to, uh, to, uh, to overcome. But for me to move from organization, it is very, you know exactly how to go from this place to that place. What is the next, next rank? Who do you approach when you have a problem? Um, you have role to everything. And again, comes back to those excuses that we share with ourselves. So in the army, you have a guy that's responsible for something uh, whenever you need it. Okay, you need this, uh, help with that, just call that guy. You need this help with that, you just need to find a guy. In the regular life, we don't have that. We don't have that you luxury. You need to build a network around you. And, and you need to understand if that network even suits you because you don't have the same... You can approach a great marketing person. You don't know if that's the right marketing person for you. You can approach a sales guy. You don't know if that's the right sales guy for you. You need to hire engineers and you don't know how to hire a you know, Canadian engineer to the company that built drones. He never saw drone in his life. It's not like he's an Israeli guy that's seven army and I don't know, have some sort of background. Um, so after you experience it, what kind of a tip you can give around it? So I think the, maybe the best um, tip is not to be um, too harsh on yourself and you know, be too strict with, uh, with ideas in your, in your mind. You need to create those policies, processes that works for you. There is no one answer suits all. There is no such a thing, I think, that if you ask some guy, okay, give me a tip how to hire people, that 100% will suit what, the way you hire people. Um, but I think the, the, if you develop your own process to it and stick with it, you create patterns and you know over time if those patterns works for you or not. I'll give uh, maybe two examples for that. Um, I figured very early in, early in my life that I'm a morning person, like very early morning process um, guy. That, and, and I saw that many people stay long nights and I'm, when I'm getting, you know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., I'm just falling asleep. I cannot, you know, coffee doesn't help me. And I decided that I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to go to sleep 10 p.m. or so and wake up 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, when I wake up after, you know, one coffee, I'm super sharp. I'm super aware there is quietness in those hours. Um, so I take myself an hour you know, you clean your emails and you sharp in your answer. It's not like answering emails, you know, nine, you know, 9 p.m. at night when you just so frustrated and just want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So one of my disciplines is I, I'm not answering emails, you know, nighttime. I take the weekends, I take the mornings. That's the time that I'm answering emails. Um, there is maybe another tip on, on hiring people that I can share. One question, maybe I'm blowing it right now, but... Uh, one question that I'm sure I'm asking people doing the hiring process and I'm asking every person to whatever role is what is the most dangerous animal for 
for humanity, for people. <laughs> now, where is it coming from? <laughs> before, before you answer that, think about your answer and tell me on what percentage are you sure with your answers, with your answer. Whatever. You want to give a shot? You should try it. <laughs> I have a completely dangerous. blank right now. <laughs> yes. It killed the most. That kills the most. Yes. The most dangerous animal that kills the most. I'll go with a uh, snake. So that's close enough. But how, how, how are you sure? How, how much are you sure with that? I'm not absolutely sure. Percentage? It's, it's my, you know, gut feel. And maybe one of my fears <laughs> talking as so well. Like 70% sure? Uh, yeah, I'll go with the 70%. Right, so that's not bad. <laughs> so the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so the right answer is is flies, to be honest. Um, checked it, but uh, but what I'm more scared mosquitoes, about mosquitoes. You mean? Yes, right. kind of yeah. different yeah. different types. Okay. Um, but what I'm more care about is the percentage. Why? Because if, for example, I'm hiring an accountant, and I'm asking him, that's true example, right? True mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And asking the guy, and he's answering whales 100%. percent. <laughs> what I what, what I'm figuring from this question is that this guy is dumb. Okay. A. B. I cannot trust his word because he's an accountant. Tomorrow he's gonna provide me an answer for something. I ask him, "Are you sure?" He will say yes, even though he doesn't know the answer. Other aspect: if someone gives the opposite and he said, "I don't know, monkeys 50%. percent." Fifty percent is like. Somewhere it's like yes or no. Here, yeah. not yeah, there. It's like you yeah. don't give me anything. You just, yeah. you know, leave Very yourself. Very gray. Yeah. If people say, for example, like 70%, 80%, it doesn't matter really what the answer because I'm not looking for the answers. The next question will be, okay, if I'll give you 30 seconds to open your phone and, you know, Google it, will you change your percentage? And see how confident they are with the, with the answer or they want to look for a further... Now... This process for me in the hiring created the ability to sort people in the way I like. It's not necessarily works for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for me, when I look for the personality behind the person and question like, uh, where do you like to travel or what hobbies and kind of simple answer that usually comes back with, with these simple answers, simple answer, simple question, I'm getting the most of what I care about the personality of the person. Now, it could be false, but I found over time that it could give me the best answer that I'm looking for. Great stuff here, Didi. Um, so we're going to wrap it up very soon. And we have, you already gave great tips. So are we going to give him a discount about the last three <laughs> tips? Or yeah, I have another, another thing that very interests me. I know that you are now aiming to a new market. So tell us uh, how you decide to go there. What are the steps you are uh, doing uh, for Dubai? So the GCC area, I think it's a great opportunity, not just for Israelis. Uh, before COVID, I think they uh, planned to have the expo, the World Expo. Um, I think it was intended to be in June 2020, and now they pushed it to October 2021. Um, and they put themselves a target um, or objective to become you know, the world's leader in innovation. They're moving from oil through... Um, travel distant destination that they did over the past couple of years and now i think with uh mbz and the, the prince uh, i think that they're moving towards innovation 
for us, it's a great place to go at. It's a great, because we seek those places that care for the long run. Now, if there is one thing that the GCC can be proud of over even US, Europe, and every other country is because the way they um, um, control the country or govern the country, they have the, the, the ability to look for the next 10 years, knowing that the same government, same establishment, they don't need, you know, there is no changes with elections like we suffer from and other countries have every four years. So they can think long term. Exactly. And therefore, you know, when you, and that's what they're looking to have. They don't look to invest money and, you know, make it around and, you know, sell it tomorrow. No, they're looking to build something from the ground up all the way forward. In SkyX, because we're not interested on becoming manufacturing of drones, that's not the idea. The idea is to develop the platform that will carry out the mission, which is to bring data. Places like the GCC, who's looking to have the know-how coming into the country, build a workforce around it, they have the knowledge, they have the training, we can come there and work with them, and they can basically take maybe the small capacity that we are working with right now and scale it up. Yeah, scale it up 10 times at 100 but times. But once much. again, you have a cultural gap. So how you're going to immediate it? So the first step we took, to be honest, on, uh, on September last year was uh, my advice to the board to um, have a bit of a changes in the board and move from, let's call it more uh, um, VC approach or around the finance stuff to more the business development. Uh, we hired different director, um, Lital Leshem, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, which was the founder of, uh, of uh, Carbine, some, some, uh, some venture here in, uh, in Israel, then moved to the US, worked with, uh, with Mobila and other companies, and then got herself very connected into, into Dubai, uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi and all this uh, area. Um, through trust, not through opportunistic approach. And, and we hired her into the organization as a director to help, to mentor us on how to approach it right. Um, I think when we come to them and highly respectful of what they have, not coming and being, you know, yeah, we can do it all and just give us the money. Mm -hmm. But hey, we need your support in this, this and that. We can bring this, this and that. And meet together. It's more like a strategic uh, partnership. Yes. Um, I found it when I found the company in Canada, when I came with a bunch of Israelis from here, and we didn't come as, okay, we Israelis will show you how to do it, just, you know, do this and that. No. We know how to create something from nothing. That's, I think, the strength of uh, Israelis. You, Canadians, know to take it to corporate level, to sell it to big organizations, scale it up, have those processes and procedures that maybe we... A bit, you know, lacking, yeah, lacking on. So that's exactly where, where I took this tip from, and we're hopefully to importing this to the GCC area as well. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, listen, guys, I think we're uh, wrapping it up. Uh, it was fascinating hearing your journey and your story, your personal story as well. Uh, thanks, Ila. Thank you. And as we said, you know, you can listen to all our episodes till VDNA on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and watch this episode on YouTube. So thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode of TLVDNA. Thanks, Diddy. Thank you, guys. It was amazing. <laughs> cool. <laughs>